Sorry, you get double duty with me. I wasn't asking for that, but no, really, no, no, no. How are you guys doing? Has it been a good week? I have just loved, um, thought our Christmas Eve service was, was great. Thank you to all you people that helped, um, from the hot chocolate to the music to the, let me get this, is it working? Okay. Um, just thank you so much. For those of you that were here, thanks for showing up. We appreciate it. We are reaching the end of 2014. Feel good? Ready for 2015? Yeah. I heard some yeahs like, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, it's good to be here. I'm taking over today because Matt is out of town. Uh, Matt had a situation I don't know if you know about. He met a friend. And this is the look that he gave. And the score as of right now is dear one, Matt Zero. Um, I, don't see, I don't hear about that a lot here, but in Tennessee, in Alabama, it's, it's all about you're driving down the road and all of a sudden, bam, you're sideswiped by a deer. Um, the good news is Matt should still be home this next week with about 50 pounds of venison. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No deer was hurt. In the hitting of Matt's car, but his car was uh, dinged up a bit. So be praying for him. I'm sure that's frustrating to go on vacation and then have that happen. Uh, but we're glad that he and the kids were safe. Uh, Melanie was already in Nashville. Uh, but it's that time again. We, uh, we get new stuff. We say we don't need anything, and yet we end up buying a lot of stuff, don't we? Um, I was driving to church this past, it was Monday or Tuesday, um, and the neighborhood around here, the trash was going out, and I saw like big wheels and basketball goals, and I saw all this stuff being thrown away, and I was like, what's going on? And it hit me that it looks like they were making room, they were getting rid of old junk because they knew that in a couple days they would have new junk. <laughs> and so they were clearing the way. They were, they, were, they were making sure that they had plenty of room for the new junk that they didn't need that they had already bought. So they had to get rid of the old junk that they probably didn't need that was not doing anything anyway. And so it was the weirdest thing. And it got me thinking, I wonder, I wonder like what kind of Christmas gift would be like the worst Christmas gift ever. So I went to Google and I found some awesome Christmas gifts Maybe you got this, my first tattoo gun by Fisher Price. <laughs> Hello, is it tea you're looking for? Uh, hold on. It's a line. Oh, thank you. Okay, I just wanted to be sure that I wasn't too old. For you young people, there was a guy named Lionel Richie, and he sang a song, Hello, is it me you're looking for? But it's a tea kettle. <laughs> Get it? Wordplay. All right. <laughs> This one was my favorite. Hander pants. Underpants for your hands. <laughs> I've never seen those before. I think they're ridiculous, but I would buy those. I love this one. You're not the world's best mom, you're the world's okayest mom. <laughs> Are there any more? Oh. A book that every kid needs all about scabs. Yes, I love that one. Very. And then the game, senior moments. 
You can't remember the last time you played a game like this. I'm going to give that a second to sink in. Let it marinate. We end up getting a lot of stuff that we don't really want and we don't really need. And yet, um, I'm very grateful that this is the season where we remember that we received the greatest gift we could ever have hoped for. We remember the birth of Jesus. And so we're going to take just a couple minutes, dive into a little bit of text, and then we're going to do um, something unique at the end. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke 2. Luke 2, 22. Basically setting up the story in case you don't know it. There was a guy named Joseph, a lady named Mary. They had a baby named Jesus. Eight days later... He was presented to the temple, and then 40 days after he was born is where we pick up the story. So here we have. Then it was time for the purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms, praising God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I've seen your salvation, which you've prepared for all people. He's a light to reveal God to the nations, and he's a glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he'll be a great joy to many others. He's been sent as a sign from God that many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they'd been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84, and she never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking to Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who'd been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. There the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So in this passage, we're just going to break this down very quickly. We have three main sections. We have this first part, which is this dedication. 
Mary and Joseph are bringing Jesus to the temple. We have the second part, which is Simeon addressing Mary and Joseph. And then we have this third part, which is Anna addressing Mary and Joseph. Very simple, right? So we're just going to take these piece by piece, and we're going to talk for just a minute on each one. So the first thing we want to talk about is this dedication process. Now, it's important to um, remember something. There's not a lot written about the childhood of Jesus. We have his birth, couple of verses, and then it's like Jesus began his ministry at age 33. It's important to remember that the Bible is not a biographical book. It's not here to tell us every situation that Jesus went through. When Jesus was nine, he played with pebbles and punched a kid in the nose. No, it's, it's not biographical, but everything in Scripture is leading us towards the salvation of humanity. And so there's not a lot written about his childhood, but this is one of the few passages where we see beyond the manger, we see a few verses. So we have this, this situation. Luke is very clear. It's interesting. He talks about the law. Luke, in this very first section, one of his main points is he wants to make sure that you understand Jesus was not just some random dude. Jesus was a Jew's Jew. He was born of the, of the line of David. He is the one that we've been waiting for. And he didn't come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill it. In fact, Luke mentions the law nine times in his book, and five of those times are in this one passage that we read. He is being very clear. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the prophecies, all of the laws that have been said. This isn't some kid that's come to overturn everything. This is some kid that has come to prop up the law and fulfill everything that was meant by the law. And so Luke is very, very um, focused on that. And he's not the only one. Um, other churches around the world today will be reading out of Galatians. And they'll be reading this passage. When the right time came, God sent a son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. So other churches around the world are also going to be dealing with the fact that Jesus came to fulfill the law. Luke talks about it. Paul talks about it. This is a very clear thread throughout the Bible. Now, he was brought to the temple. to show that he belonged to God. I love this part. It would have reminded the people of Samuel. You remember the story of Hannah who couldn't have a child, and she said, God, if you give me a child, I will present him to you. He will be yours. And so they may have been, as they were presenting Jesus to the temple, been thinking of things like that. God gave us Jesus. We give him back to God. He, he is there. He, he is for, they're, they're, they're poor, they don't have a lot to give, but they do what the law requires. It's interesting, I was reading a commentary, and they were talking about the fact that uh, Mary and Joseph were very poor. They couldn't afford 
the rich people's sacrifice. So they probably brought the, the pigeons. Now, another sacrifice that is frequently used is a lamb, which they could not afford. But he, they were talking about the irony that they actually were bringing a lamb to the temple to be sacrificed because we know that Jesus would one day be the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. So we have this beautiful beginning where, where Luke is making perfectly clear Jesus is come to fulfill the law. Jesus is come. He is the one that all humanity and all history has pointed to. He is the pivotal point of everywhere. Then we get to the second part, which is Simeon. And just a couple things about this section. First of all, it talks about how Simeon stopped and talked to Mary. Back in those days, that would not be very common. As a matter of fact, that would be looked down upon. And yet it's interesting that he goes and he addresses Mary about Jesus, who would, years down the road, often get in trouble because he would address women who he was not supposed to address. It's just interesting how that cycle happens. Luke is also pointing out that the salvation story is for everyone, man, woman, Jew, Gentile. It is for everyone. And I was, I was reading another, uh, let me go back, Simeon. I love this. This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. Some translations say many will fall and then rise up. James Howell talks about the fact how this is so counter the world. We don't say fall and rise. We say rise and fall. We say the rise and the fall of the Third Reich. We say the rise and the fall of the business tycoon. We, we, we base so much of our life on are we going up, are we going up, are we going up? Oh, no. And yet in this passage, Simeon says he will be the cure for the fall and will help us to rise up. Because we are fallen. Am I telling you something you didn't know? We are in a bad place as far as humanity. We're born into this sinful nature, this, this desire that says, me, me, me. And Jesus came to fix that. Jesus came to be the perfect sacrifice so that we could rise above our fallenness and live for him. I love how Simeon says that. Many will fall, and yet many will rise up. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. You know, it, it's, just, it's just another way of showing how counterculture Jesus is and how counterculture the kingdom of God is. He seeks out the poor. He seeks out the broken, not the rich and the influential. He, he understands that this servanthood is truly the way to greatness. He, he will redefine peace. So many people in that day and even today define peace as a lack of violence. Well, there's no violence, so we must have peace. And Jesus has known in the kingdom of God, there's a different standard for peace. And I think we can see that even in the past couple of years. I mean, I think of Egypt and then all these other places around the world that 
You didn't know there was unrest, but then all of a sudden there are these riots and these sit-ins and everything, and you're like, oh, I just thought they were at peace. When really the world standard is if the powerful are in control, there is peace, but the people that are oppressed are not at peace because they have no power, they have no say, they are poor, they are the outcast. And Jesus says, what if we would have turned things over? And what if peace wasn't about the lack of violence, but what if peace was about justice and righteousness? What if peace was about there being rightness, shalom, peace, between you and me, between us and God? What if there wasn't this power issue? That would be peace. He's just so counterculture. Power is not the defining characteristic of the kingdom of God. Justice and peace is. And he shows it to us by the fact that he was born in a lowly, stable manger. He puts his he puts the truth into action by showing us that greatness is truly not found in the powerful, but in justice and righteousness. So that's the second part. Then we have the third part. We've talked about how Jesus was a Jew among Jews. Jesus was the one that everyone had pointed to. We talked about how Jesus will be the cure for those that are fallen that will rise up. And, G- and Simeon really is addressing the family. He's addressing Mary and Joseph. Then we have Anna who does the complete opposite thing. Says she sees Simeon talking to Mary and Joseph and she realizes who this is and she goes out and the Bible says she tells everyone who had been waiting on the Messiah the good news that he was here. I love that inward outward thing. Isn't that funny how that's just such a common pattern in the Bible? Happens inward, happens outward, happens inward, happens outward. It's almost like God's trying to teach us that maybe this is a kingdom thing. You're changed within, you change the world. God changes me, I change the world. Hmm, maybe there's something to that. We'll get back to that. So, I love that. So you have this elderly lady, she's a prophet, she's respected. And this is what I love. Uh, Author Fred Craddock writes this. She knows that the new thing that God is doing is really not new because hope is always joined to memory. And the new that God, the new that God is keeping, the new covenant that God is keeping is really based on an old promise. Which brings us back full circle. Because Jesus, when he was dedicated, he was a Jewish Jew. He is the fulfillment of the old promise. He is the personification of everything that God had planned. So we have this, this perfect cycle out of these three things. We have the dedication. We have falling, rising. And then we have he is the fulfillment of the old hope. And that brings us new hope. I have been switching gears slightly. I've been overwhelmed this week, uh, fascinated by this lady. Her name is Naomi Fields. Naomi Fields, F-E-I-L. I don't know if you've um, 
heard of her or seen her. She's, she's the founder of Validation Therapy. And as I was reading through this passage and how Simeon is inward, God has come to minister to us. God has come to bring wholeness to us. And Anna, this outward, God has come to bring wholeness to the world. This, this wholeness, wholeness. I was watching this video of Naomi Phil. And she just, I, I, I couldn't watch the video without just coming into tears. Because it's just so beautiful. She writes this. Speaking of wholeness. If you're all alone, then you feel worthless deep down inside. You have to recreate your identity all by yourself through movements, through self-gratification. But if someone enters into your world and you look at them and you communicate with them and there's a wholeness that comes about, there's relief. There is a feeling I'm wanted, I'm needed, I'm complete. There is a completeness when two human beings really care about each other. And I sat there thinking about this God who was trying to communicate to a human race that he loved so much, a world that he cared so deeply about, how can I truly show them how much I care? And so he sent his son so that we could have this human-to-human interaction, so that we could have this wholeness, we could feel complete, we could be made new because we realize that we're not alone. We don't have to recreate our own self. We can be part of who Jesus is. It's just amazing. God chose to enter the world. He chose to become human and communicate a way for us to find wholeness. Um, let me show you a video clip real fast. This, this is the clip that's wrecked me all week. Um, just to set it up, you've got Naomi, and she's talking to Gladys Wilson. Now, Gladys Wilson has Alzheimer's, and she has um, traits of later stages. She doesn't make a lot of eye contact. She doesn't have a lot of verbal skills. She is basically, her body has shut down. She communicates as best she can through motions. Um, this is the beautiful part of it. Naomi is this Jewish lady who is connecting with Gladys, who is this Christian lady, in this deep and meaningful way by singing her stories, by singing her songs of things that Gladys remembers growing up, truths that she has held so dear. And there's this beautiful connection that you'll see. I think the reason uh, that always impacts me, I find myself feeling like Gladys so many times. Isolated, alone, unloved. And although it's not a perfect analogy, I just kept thinking how much like God Naomi was. I just, want to, I just want to be with you. I want to touch you. I want to be near and let you know that you're not alone, that you're loved, that you're cared for. I want to bring wholeness to you. 
And the beauty of Jesus coming to earth is that that is exactly what has happened. And the mystery of what has happened is also that because we are his, we are called to be the Naomi's to the Gladys's around us. We are called to be those people who are with the hurting and the poor and the hopeless, the sick, the needy. And I'm not just speaking physically. We are called, we are invited into this story where we get to look at people and remind them how much Jesus loves them. And that no matter what they're going through, he's in control. He's got the whole world in his hands. But that only comes when we are committed to Christ. It only comes when we are completely dedicated. Superficial Christianity cannot help us be Naomi to the hurting in the world. We're created to respond to this love that couldn't help but be made flesh. We're created to to commit ourselves completely to Christ and his calling. It's sometimes hard. It's not always easy. It's difficult. But it's always right. And it's always the life to which we're called. So at the end of this year, the beginning of this next year, it's always good that we take time and we kind of reset our course. For some of us, this has been an incredible year on our journey with God. For others, it's been a struggle. It's been hard. We've had issues and problems. But we have this moment right now to say, God, the old has passed away. You've come to make something new this year. And I don't know what's going to happen 10 years from now, but this next year is yours. I dedicate 2015. It is your year. I commit myself. I covenant with you that I want to be completely yours. We celebrate today that he's extended this grace But he's also called us to be transformed into his likeness. Now, in the Nazarene church, we use this fancy word called sanctification. It's a big word. But basically what it means is this. We're asking God, God, will you take away anything that is not you in our lives? Will you take away our bent for sinning? Will you make us more and more like you, like your son, Jesus Christ. Will you create in us wholeness? We want to be like you. We want to care about the things that you care about. We want to hurt about the things, hurt over the things that you hurt about. We want to celebrate over the things that you celebrate over. Make us like you. Bring us into alignment with who you are. So I'm going to ask Pastor Michelle, Pastor Eddie, to join me up here. And we're going to do something. We've done this in the past. This has been going on for centuries. 
um, we're going to do a Wesleyan covenant, and I invite you to participate. This is highly participatory. We're going to be reading. We're going to be responding. We're going to be praying. We're going to give you time to self-evaluate and ask God, what, what do you want from me? What do you see in my life? So over the next couple minutes, may we celebrate the fact that God has invited us into this covenant relationship. And then at the end, we're going to finish by celebrating with symbols of the ultimate sacrifice that Christ gave his life for us. So, you ready? Let's do it. As we continue in worship today, let us enter into a time of participation and recommitment to Christ. Using the model of John Wesley, the forefather of our theological tradition, we understand that being a mature disciple of Jesus means joining Christian believers in the covenant to serve God with all of our hearts, with all of our mind, with all of our soul and strength. In 1775, Wesley began a tradition of conducting an annual service that provided an opportunity for, for people to make or renew their covenant with God. It has come to be known as the Wesleyan Covenant Service, and our service today is based on that original model. This portion will be highly participatory, uh, including verbal and musical songs of response, and I just invite and encourage you guys to participate enthusiastically and with an open heart. So please join me in prayer as we begin. Gracious God, we worship you as creator, preserver, and sustainer of all life. Thank you for the, the Christmas season that reminds us that you came to earth to experience human life as we do. And for the season of Lent upcoming, uh, which reminds us of the lengths of which you were willing to go, to go to to show your love to us and to reconcile us to God through your suffering and death on the cross. Indeed, gracious Father, through Jesus Christ, you have loved us with an everlasting love, and we praise you and acknowledge you as our Lord this day. Amen. Amen. The Christian life to which we are called is a life in Christ, redeemed from sin and consecrated to God. We have been admitted into this new covenant with God through Jesus Christ, our mediator, and by his own blood, he has sealed the covenant so that it, la it might last forever. As we stand at the beginning of this new year, we remember that the mercies of God to us this past year and the hope of his calling. We also take time this morning to examine ourselves in the light of his spirit so that we can see if we have failed or fallen short in any way in faith and in practice. Lastly, we take the time today to renew the covenant which binds us to God and recommit ourselves to it. May our resolve be strengthened as we hear the word of the Lord taken from Deuteronomy, which talks about the covenant which bound Israel to God. Deuteronomy 6 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you wake up. Tie them as symbols to your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on doorposts of your houses and on your gates. 
And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. O Israel, carefully follow the terms of this covenant so that you may prosper in everything that you do. All of you who are standing today in the presence of the Lord your God, your leaders and chief men, your elders and officials, and all other men of Israel, together with your children and with your wives and the foreigners living in your camps who chop wood and carry your water, you are standing here in order to enter into a covenant with the Lord your God, a covenant the Lord is making with you this day and sealing with an oath to confirm you this day as his people that he may be your God as he promised you and as he swore your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am making this covenant with its oath, not only with you who are standing here with us today in the presence of the Lord, but our God, the Lord our God, but also with those who are not here today. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. As we renew our faith covenant, as we renew our covenant with God, it is important to recognize our continuing need for confession. In our theological tradition, we have tended to connect confession only to the moment when we turn to Christ for salvation. But scripture val validates, and John Wesley affirmed, even the Christians need to pray a prayer of confession on a regular basis. In Wesley's own words, he said, the most holy among us is subject to a thousand infirmities which spring from our fallenness. So, our shortcomings and failings need the atoning blood of Christ as well for our sins. All of us must die daily and recognize our need for the cleansing work of Christ. And so today, we join together in humbly confessing our sins and shortcomings to God. Join with me our, as we confess this together. O oh God, you have shown us the way of life through your Son, Jesus Christ. We confess with shame our slowness to learn of him, our failure to follow him, and our reluctance to bear the cross. Have, Have mercy, mercy on us, us Lord, and, and forgive us. We confess the poverty of our worship, our neglect of fellowship, our hesitating witness for Christ, our evasion of responsibilities in service, and our imperfect stewardship of your gifts. Have, Have mercy, mercy on us, us Lord, and, and forgive us. us. And now, let's each of us, in silence, make an individual confession to God. And if there's anything in your heart that you want to tell him today, just to realign yourself with God, take a moment and do that now. mercy on us, God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stains of our sins. God, would you wash us clean from our guilt, purify us from our sins so that we can be clean, wash us so that we're going to be whiter than snow. Oh God, give us back our joy again. You've broken. Now let us rejoice. 
Don't keep looking at our sins. God, would you remove the stain of our guilt? Create in us a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within us. Don't banish us from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from us. Restore to us again the joy of your salvation and make us willing to obey you. Amen. And now let us hear the word of our Lord from our New Testament Gospels. The two, gospels, the two gospel readings that follow are places where we will find Jesus reinterpreting the covenant of God made with Israel in new and in radical ways. Please stand as you are able to hear the word of our Lord. John 15, 1 through 8 says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will become even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you may bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus invites us into a covenant relationship with God. Nowhere is this more evident than when Jesus invites us to pray what has become known as the Lord's Prayer. It's a community prayer. It's a prayer of commitment. And it was meant to be prayed by all who claim to be followers of Christ. It expresses our desire together to see God's kingdom revealed among us. So join me in praying that prayer this morning. Our Father, Father who, who is in heaven, heaven holy is your name. Your, your kingdom, kingdom come, come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. I invite you to read with us the covenant printed in your worship folder and on the screen. As Pastor I think Darren I forgot us. to put it in the folder. So, well, read it on if the you would, it will be up here. Would you read this covenant prayer with me? Lord, we give ourselves completely to you. Assign us to our place in your creation. Let us suffer for you. Give us the work you would have us to do. Give us many tasks or have us step aside while you call others. Put us forward or humble us. Give us riches or let us live in poverty. We freely give all that we are and all that we have to you. And now, Holy God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, 
You are ours and we are yours. May this covenant made on earth continue for all eternity in heaven. Amen. Now let us celebrate the renewal of our commitment to the Lord at the table that he has pre prepared for us. These symbols of his body broken for us and his blood shed for us remind us that his grace is with us and will always sustain us and enable us to remain in covenant with him now and always. Matthew 26, 26 through 28 says, As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this and eat it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine, and he gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them, and he said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. So today, we commit to God, we recall what he has done, and we celebrate at the table that he's prepared for us. This is an open table. You do not need to be Nazarene to come. Uh, you could be visiting, you could be a member, you could be Nazarene, you could be something else. Um, this is for everyone. Uh, we believe that for those who belong to Christ, this is our great thanksgiving. And the beauty of the elements, the beauty of the truth behind the elements, is that maybe you don't know Jesus in a personal way. Maybe he hasn't become your Lord and Savior. We believe that you can choose today to ask him into your life to make this covenant with him that you want to live for him and you can come down as an act of faith and a means of salvation. So we invite you to come. Um, as you're ready, come and receive the elements from the table that he has prepared. Lord, we give thanks for this, for this gift of this holy meal. It reminds us that you sent your son in the flesh and that through him we are completely reconciled to you. Yeah. Now because Jesus sacrificed himself, now may we all do from this day forward the same and be grateful in our response through the way we live our lives to that sacrifice. Amen. As we go this week, uh, I want you to think about the lyrics to one of the songs that we sang today. Um, they say, when you move, it changes us. It changes what we see and what we seek. It changes everything. And as we go into the new year, we're so good about breaking or making New Year's resolutions and then quickly breaking them. Um, but I would just challenge you this year to only make one resolution, and that would be to seek God with everything that you have and everything that you are, and then everything else will fall in its place. Go in peace. See you next week.